You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, my shoulders, they're so much lighter this week. We don't have the weight of the world on them anymore. We actually are winners. I can't say the same about my Florida Gators, and I'm going to hold off my aggravation and angst on you fine people that are Giant fans, but... Let's talk about happy things. Let's talk about the New York football giants are one in three and right back in the, in the thick of the battle. for the <laughs> It, you know, it's, it's a little bit silly to be, you know, whatever. One in three is not really anything to be too happy about, I guess, but it just feels good to win. You know what I mean? Like we have been for too long. Um, I would say probably the entirety of this podcast, it's history talked too much about you know they're okay here and this part's good it's just not coming together and that's why they're not winning and whatever right um and it's good to not need to talk about that i mean for now we can talk about the good and the bad that's awesome we can it's it just feels good to treat this team like an actual competitive nfl team doesn't it yeah and that might change next week and we're back to complaining again but you're right it's it's nice to actually talk about a game and the victory and why it happened and give our awards and all that stuff and not have to do the Mia Copa State of the Union address, you know, what does this mean, big picture, you know, reassessing our life. Like, at least for one week, we can kind of say, okay, we won a big game, you know, could be the, our annual win the big away game that, that nobody expected us to win, and that's fine, but... Right now, I'm just happy against a team that I do not like, a coach I hate, a quarterback I is my most hated person in the NFL. Uh, right now, you know, I'll worry about Dallas when we talk about it on Thursday's show. But right now, I'm just happy we have a win and we can kind of, you know, bask in that glory for a little bit. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this experience that I'm having, including this good feeling that I had Sunday night that has now carried over into Monday and hopefully by the time you're listening to this Tuesday morning as well, I hope that this isn't contained into this week. Like, we saw this kind of... ah, This is what's so frustrating is that we saw something just similar to this in week two against Washington and we had to kind of sweep it away with, you know, well, it was a short week and also, goddammit, you know they were doing this right why didn't they keep doing it or something like that you know and then we just completely abandoned that week three and i i just don't know what to expect i'm hoping that like we are finally seeing some cause and effect here with the way things are being played strategically on the field i think grump what happened was i think joe judge and the entire coaching staff jason garrett even even up to probably mara they probably listened to our podcast last week and they were like you know damn it those boys are right we can't play this conservative 1995 style of, of NFL football anymore. We have to be a modern team. And you saw, you know, you saw more breaking out of the show a little bit. And again, this isn't exactly Kansas City you saw for an offense, but you saw 
an opening up of the playbook, an opening up of the best players put in the best possible position to win. You saw more trust in Daniel Jones to make right decisions, air it out a little bit, you know, be Daniel Jones. And, you know, I don't know if this is a team is still trying to find its legs and trying to determine what what they are. And it's taken them four weeks to do that. But I want to see next week. You know, I'd love obviously I'd love to beat Dallas, but I want to see next week. We're building on the concepts and the things that worked well this week. I want to see, you know, I don't need to have Daniel Jones throw for 400 yards again. If it does, we're probably losing. But I want to see, you know, the big play sprinkled in. I want to see this not playing for first downs anymore. And for a large part of the game, as the game went on, we didn't do that. So that to me is kind of, that's progress. You know, the win is great. I'm happy for the win. I'm relieved for the win. But it wasn't a fluky win, like maybe Washington was a fluky loss or something. This was a win that uh, I think we earned. And we played a, a pretty decent team to boot with that. Yeah, and this was an NFL win from what looked like an NFL team. This didn't. This wasn't one of those things where you could watch the highlights and see the score and think, yeah, okay, whatever. But if you had watched the game, you're like, oh, everything in between was a mess. This wasn't. This was, you know, well, it's a quarterback slinging the ball around. You know, in the best in their best players, whether they're you know high draft picks or high price. Uh, yeah, actually, that's that's actually absolutely that, right. They're, they're, they made the plays. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you look through, their high-priced guys came in and made the plays. You know, James Bradbury comes up with an interception, fluky or not, or, you know, somewhat whatever because it's Taysom Hill throwing the ball and not James hey, Winston. But He threw it. He th- yeah, I don't care. He threw it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've also got um, – Kenny Galladay making a lot of big a lot of big plays in this game. Even John Ross, you know, not the big highlight free agent acquisition, but certainly somebody, you know, that was a worth mentioning in the news around the NFL, you know, comes in and makes an immediate impact. You get first round pick at Arias Tony, first round pick Saquon Barkley, first round pick Daniel Jones, and first round pick Andrew Thomas had uh, another lights out game. Yeah, and first round pick Evan er- Never mind. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're right. Different was, regime, gonna, different problem. I was going to bring that up about Andrew Thomas that played fantastic. Offensive line, it, we, again, every week we don't know, you know who the players are going to be, what the names are, what mixed match are going to be. Not an issue in, in the absolute least. Daniel Jones, you know, didn't have a dirty – did he even get sacked? No, there were actually no sacks in this game. Yeah. When was the last time you could say that about this offensive line? No, never. The offensive line gets a star for me from this game. Um, Absolutely. I, I, and you know, what's crazy is, you know, we're seeing another new left guard, Matt Skura, activated from the practice squad, brought up because Ben Bredesen has a hand injury. You know, we did the podcast, the preview episode. I didn't even know what to report. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know who was going to be playing in this game. I saw it on the TV and I was like, you know. I guess I feel okay about that. You know, I, I, I feel more confident about Matt Skura than, you know, some other guys that we've had rotating around. Um, but, I mean, Jones had plenty of time to be an NFL quarterback. He had time to be comfortable, to read defenses, to 
throw the ball. And I mean, it wasn't a perfect performance, but it was good enough. I mean, Daniel Jones is an athlete. He's a very good athlete. He can get away from one guy. He can't get away from three guys every play. And that's the upgrade that we've seen in what feels like a very short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, again, unfortunately, you know, he got screwed. The stats will not really give the full picture. I mean, he loses a touchdown because of the, no, the I think John that Ross was ball. I think that was reawarded to him. Was it reawarded? Okay. I believe that's, so. That that's great. And then the the one pick he had was, you know, a Hail Mary. So, you know, the Yeah. The interceptions he had this year is one that goes through Evan Ingram's hands and a Hail Mary at the end of the half. He's your perception of what Daniel Jones is is not matching the reality of what Daniel Jones has become. He's become a, a guy who's getting to be very accurate, making smart decisions, and not turning the ball over. And those are the they sound like baby steps onto something greater, but we were concerned, you know, earlier this season, you know, is this a franchise quarterback? Is this the guy? You know, are we going to go back into the draft and have to redraft a quarterback again? If he keeps his progression up, it's not going to be an issue anymore. You know, I'm not saying he's going to Canton. I'm not saying he's going to be in Honolulu for the Pro Bowl, but he is definitely making strides to be a solid foundational guy for this team for the foreseeable future. And that's all you want is hope. Because if you can start building the, the major building blocks like you know, your your quarterback, your left tackle, things like that. Those are the high ticket things that are very expensive to replace in free agency. If you got those homegrown, you're ahead of the game. Daniel Jones gets a star from me. 28 of 40 for 402 yards, two touchdowns, basically no turnovers, 27 yards rushing. He was aggressive. He was accurate. He was strong in the pocket. He was smart with the ball, smart with the ball, throwing it away when the play is over, knowing your your situation and not trying to do everything was really the biggest issue he had other than what he couldn't control with the offensive line in front of him. No throws into high-risk situations. Um, and also, he spread the ball around. He spread the ball around to... Seven different yeah, receivers, I believe. Kadarius Tony seven targets. Uh, oh, sorry. Kadarius Tony nine targets. Kenny Galladay, seven. John Ross, four. Saquon Barkley, six. Evan Ingram, six. Kyle Rudolph, three. And Devontae Booker, one. This was... You know what? I don't care. Let him throw one Hail Mary interception per game for the rest of the year. I could care less. Let the whole rest of the league sleep on him and let the perception of him be that he is this turnover-prone guy. I don't care. Let them be the victims of what he can be because we now have evidence of how good this team can be when the play calling is aggressive, when Daniel Jones is allowed to be aggressive and is treated like an adult, when this offensive line can play to what we think they can play up to. We see what is possible here. And yeah, it was a 27-point game, but we'll get into some of the meat and potatoes of that in a little bit later. I mean, think about it. You know, this is without Sterling Shepard and without Darius Slayton. Mm -hmm. And my question being, you know, know, Sterling Shepard is a quality receiver. He is our – he's been our best receiver coming into into last week's game. I wonder if this means that Darius Slayton's role is going to be reduced on this team. You know, because, you know, if you're going to start seeing, you know, Tony emerging with more and more touches – 
Uh, you know, Galladay getting more touches, in, you know, than he did in the first couple of games. You know, even someone like C.J. Board, for example. You know, you might see Slayton kind of dropping further and further down the, uh, the, you know, the number of touches that he gets and down the depth chart. Yeah, I think so. I think John Ross is really the bigger threat for him because, you know, Darius Slayton is kind of that number three, that speed guy. He's got that gear that Kenny Galladay will never have. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that John Ross has a gear that almost nobody has in the NFL. And I, I mean that literally, um, you know, one of the fastest men in the league. And uh, his only problem has been drops. If they can work him into the rest of the route tree, like we're starting to see a little bit with him with some out routes. And, you know, if you give him anything, you can you can work your quick stuff with just fly routes, corner and post routes and, you know, slant routes. But if you can get him to do some of the comeback route stuff, it makes him all the more dangerous. And just, you know, as long as he can hold on to the ball, he'll have a leg up on Slayton just based on raw things that Slayton can't do. And well, not for nothing, but Slayton has been off to a sluggish start this year, I would say. So, Two things that we did in this game that will be put on film for the rest of the year and for defense coordinators to think about. One was that, you know, that deep post to, to Ross and he caught it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fumbled the end, whatever, doesn't matter, it was a touchdown. That's something that whenever he's lined up now, they have to, you know, defense coordinators have to respect. You know, Respect it because it's already been executed. The second thing that they did was something that, you know, I know a lot of you people thought was going to happen, and I am pretty surprised that they did, was when Kadarius Tony they had, you know, a, a reverse in him attempting to, to, to throw a pass. And, you know, I know in this little short little bio in the draft was, you know, high school quarterback, you know, throwing threat. And, again, I saw every single snap at Florida. And I think they did it like twice or three times. It was something where if I was watching a game last year against, you know, Auburn or, you know, whoever, the thought of him throwing never crossed my mind. That's how infrequently it was earlier in his career. And as the more he became a, a receiving threat, you know, I just forgot about it and even think about it. So when he actually did try it or at least like gave the look that he was going to, that is another thing that you know defensive coordinators are going to have to think about when he gets more and more snaps as he gets more and more comfortable. And and one more thing, is anybody talking right now about blisters or his cleats or showing up late or COVID or any of the, him complaining about touches? What's past his prologue? And I told you all this back in the off season. Wait till you see this guy play and see what he can do and the the the, the way he snaps his ankles when he, he makes moves and stuff. All of that bullshit and nonsense that you worried about in the offseason because we don't have any other news will disappear forever. Nobody cares anymore about the offseason that he had. You saw what he's capable of doing. You saw how he can create something out of nothing. That's why they drafted this guy. That was exactly – that's vintage Kadarius Tony. Why I have his jersey, that's why I think he's going to be, before too long, a major impact on this offense. Kadarius Tony is my third star for this game. Six catches for 78 yards. The biggest thing for him, for me, was how important 
He was on a third and 18, picking up 18 yards. I think we kind of got a super-duper mega generous spot from the referee. But either way, that's not really the point I'm making here. Um, But really what I think is is special about Tony outside of the scope of just this game is that we're getting kind of the tip of the iceberg of him as an athlete. Uh, And I mean that not just because he's getting used to the NFL game, but... We saw him at Florida, came in relatively raw, was not really yeah. used as a wide receiver. He, was, he didn't begin his development as a wide receiver immediately. And he kind of yep. grew with the offense, especially when Kyle Trask became quarterback. He became more wide receiver than he had been. Um, so he, he he's, really he's tra- growing a lot. He really transformed his game last year because even his junior year, he was hurt. I think he missed five, six games. I mean, he was kind of a non-factor. And there was a uh, de- you know debate: was he coming back or not? And we're like, we're cr- he's crazy if he leaves. And he decided to come back, and the light switch went on that off season. And he no longer was just a gadget guy. No longer, you know, just to kind of a uh, have him run around and do crazy stuff. He was running legitimate routes, and he became he had more and more of his route tree, and he became a legitimate wide college wide receiver. You know, I. Wasn't sure if he was first round material coming out because again a lot of the rawness and stuff. But you know, when you factor in that we also get a Kenny Galladay, who fills that number one receiver role we need, the pressure isn't on him to be that. He can be, you know, that guy who does all this type of stuff. And you know, we can debate later: was it worth that high of a draft pick for it? Not my problem. He's on the team now, and this is—he is what he is. Um, but the future is very bright with him for what we can do with him, and how he is someone you have to be accountable for, and makes it easier for guys like Galladay and Shepard, and you know whatever tight end we end up with, and obviously, of course, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about Barkley's game? Because it, it, a lot of people are calling it his his a uh, big game back, and I don't know. I don't know if I'm. In total agreement with that. Um, he showed the ability he can have a big play again. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I see. What, I think I agree with that. I, I, his big game back means that he's still a little tentative. You know, he's still, you know, just running up the middle is pre- really ineffective right now. Um, I still see a lot of Barry Sanders in him, and I'm wondering if that's what's the way he's going to be. At least in the uh, you know the short to midterm of his career, someone who's just he's gonna have that one or two big plays a game, and everything else is just gonna be eh. And you know maybe that you know this offense is kind of they understand that and they build the offense to tailor around that or not. But yeah, I I, I think the ability the big play ability is coming back. I don't think he's big game. He's not Saquon Barkley yet, but he's mm-hmm. he's definitely again. We didn't know when he was coming back. We did shows in June, July. Maybe we'll be back October first. Maybe we'll be back, you know, week six. We we didn't know. Long long before YouTube. Oh, of course. Back when you didn't get to see our ugly faces. Um, but I he's way ahead of schedule right now, and he's just gonna be more and more comfortable the more and more he plays. And you know. That, that go route was pretty important to me. I mean, it showed that yeah. he held that top level gear. I mean, it was Marshawn Lattimore in full sprint after him. You know, mm-hmm. that wasn't some cut rate corner. A lot of it's going to be 
in his mind? What can what does he mentally think he can do? The physical stuff, I think he's very close to back. It's just when does he believe he can make a cut? Get to, go to that second level, you know, that that fifth gear. That's all in his mind, and that's just him getting more comfortable and more confident in himself. And the more he plays, the better it's going to be. Yeah, it's, I. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I agree entirely with you. Um, he's not quite back yet, but that big play is the thing that we as Giant fans, or, or I would say even as fans of the NFL, have been missing, right? I mean, sure. you know, just people who like to watch football, that that's the thing that really the Giants had, you know, last year. I mean, we, well, we won some games, but nothing was highlight worthy at any point. I mean, as far as the NFL standard is. Let's be honest. This giant team should be on Sunday at one o'clock every single week. But you know something? They're going to be on prime time against Kansas City. They're going to be on prime time. They were against Washington. Sure. They were on prime time. They'll be against the Bucks. It's not because they're a eh, team that may may make the playoffs. It's because they like stars. Mm-hmm. They like big names, big talents, and Saquon Barkley. Is something this team hasn't had since Odell Beckham. Yep. A legitimate, I got to watch this guy tonight because I don't know what he's going to do next. And he's working his way to be back to be that guy again. And there's not many guys like that in the league where you will sit and suffer through watching a pretty boring, shitty team to watch this one guy perform. Well, not even that. Just you'd sit through a shitty team that isn't even a team you have any interest in. I mean, as a regular football fan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, it was nice to see that he's still got that big, that big, um, that big playability, and it's just going to be his recovery and his coming back is going to be one of those things that I'm not going to be able to monitor with stats. I mean, it's just going to have know. to be the eyeball test. I mean, there's, there's no other way. There's no other way because you look at his stats and you'd be like, if you were just looking at his stats and you just looked at like you know some of the film and some of what he did in that game, you'd be like, wow, I think he is back. But he's not. I mean, early early rushing. Well, first of all, yeah, early rushing was not very good for him. Ooh. It's not um, the same thing. It's that very. It's kind of ten- if it's a, a, a either a draw play or something he's going right up the middle. He's very tentative. He just takes like a couple of like a a half step and just kind of it's there's no. Well, there really isn't much there. I mean, you know, right. every other running back would just kind of pound into the back of the offensive lineman where the hole is supposed to be and do what they can, but. He's just not that guy. He's a different yeah. kind of running back. So. so, but I mean, you know, it's just kind of when you're putting it in the context of if he's back or not, it, it, it looks probably worse than it is. But I think I agree with that too. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Is that being able to monitor and say it looks like he's back? You're just going to know by if you watch a complete game and you watch every carry and you see him with a plan for what he wants to do with each carry and running it at full capability. Right. You'll know. You'll just be like, okay, he's back yet. And listen, it may not be in 2021. It may take a year mm-hmm. for him to kind of go through the motions and just get to that comfort level. And you know, let's see how this offensive line does too. You know, the more confidence he has in this offensive line, you know, they play fantastic this week. Do I think Well, that's okay, hang on, hang on. The pass blocking was fantastic. I won't say that much about the run blocking. I'm talking about the offense line just in general. I'm just saying okay. as this line gets better and better. Yeah. Um, 
as if, if this is the five guys in the five positions and they start gelling together, he will get more confidence. I mean, you said yourself, like, I don't even know what five we're having this week. How do you think he feels? He has yeah. to run behind him. His, his career and his life are in the balance. So I think that might be part of the apprehension also. It's like, I don't know if this joker, we just got off the scrap. He was going to save my life or save my <laughs> legs. It's a good point. Yeah, he's a braver man than I. All right, I want to. I want to take a step back and stop the, uh, stop the overglorification here. I mean, we are still talking about a twenty-seven to twenty-one win that happened in overtime. Uh, so let's back up a little bit here. We we didn't have some fifty-point um, excursion down there. Uh, yeah, impressive people, though it was. Well, let's put it, one thing before you get into this. It's like most games in the NFL are one kind of in this kind of you know, four to eight point range, you know, close. So this wasn't like just some, you know, game in the muck where somebody just survived and came out victorious. I mean, that was... Yeah, this was a, a standard pretty, win. That's, that's what I'm saying. a good game. I yeah. mean, it was pretty well played. And when you're when a game is well played, I don't want to downgrade it, downplay it too much of what happened. Yeah, I, I just I don't want to treat it like they they did nothing wrong because uh, there was plenty wrong, and I'm going to start right off with my biggest fart from this game, and it is loud and disgusting, and it was the tackling, the tackling was inexcusable. I mean, I can I can live with the stat line that Alvin Kamara has 120 yards rushing. I can live with that. I wouldn't even be surprised by that if you had told me that Sunday morning. Um, the You're thing right, is, yeah. is that, yeah, the thing is, is that it didn't really feel like he rushed for 120 yards. It felt like he rushed for about 80 yards and all in all accumulated 40 yards in yak. Um, I, I just, and, and the Taysom Hill wet put, touchdown, the first, both of them, but the first one especially where he like tore through like seven or eight defenders. That was, was awful. I mean, that was the sorriest defense awful. I think I've ever seen at the NFL level. Really, truly. As you scan around the rest of the league, are you seeing similar – well, first of all, are you seeing defenses as a whole are better at this point this year than they were last year? Because we we went out of our way to say how much we thought the lack of an offseason really hurt defenses. We saw it in college. We saw it in the NFL. So are you seeing an overall – the league better on defense and tackling and us as a team better than this point we were last year? I don't know. Um See, I'm actually not very good at judging these trends and when they when 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 we know a fact for a fact as, as the season goes, right? So like I can't tell yet 4 weeks in who has a good defense or who is a bad team. With the way preseason is now and the way things work, you know, like I don't think the Packers are as bad as they were playing the Saints, right? Do we agree? Of course not. Yeah, I mean, that kind of shit, it takes me probably like six weeks to get an idea of what a team is. And these, you know, these weird trends where, you know, this guy has like four interceptions. Trayvon Diggs, I think, for the Cowboys. We think as bad as we thought they were in the first couple weeks. I'm starting to doubt that, the way they played Washington. Yeah, they beat the Giants and they gave Washington, who, you know, it, it was only four weeks ago before we went Cowboy hysterical. Across the board, everybody had them winning this division. Yeah. And... They hung with them, you know, a, 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 for most of that game too. So, this is you're right. This is 
And I, a lot of it, I think, is due to the way preseason is treated now. But and again, the, the way the rules are changing, how much you can engage in the offseason, how much tackling and things you can do. But it's almost like baseball now, where you know it doesn't really. It's harder and harder to predict winners and who's better and on these things. And we're in week five, and it's really no easier now than it was in week two. I mean, I think even home and away, it's like kind of close to 50-50. And how many away teams won yesterday? I don't know. I don't know. But whether there are defenses that are playing better around the league or not, I'll say that I don't think that there's tackling as bad as what I saw going on around the league. I mean, mean, like, there's some rustiness, I would say, around the league, maybe. But what we saw Sunday was, like, that was like an embarrassment. That was like a tape you show, like, to embarrass guys in the film room. (laughs) Um, And it was a little bit on both sides, you know. Not to circle back to tooting some horns, but Kadarius Tony made former teammate Chauncey Gardner look really stupid, juking him twice in one play. It's actually yeah. pretty hilarious, but um, yeah, it's not so funny when the official Twitter account of the Gators actually is like Gators doing work and showing Kadarius Tony like a joystick and burning another Gator twice <laughs> in the same play. So somebody there better lose a job over that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's I, I don't know if it's just you know offenses are just still way ahead of defenses. Whether just offensive players are just getting better overall than defensive, but. I don't think it's just a giant problem where, you know, tackling has been bad. I think it's everywhere. I guess so. But whether or not it's a league-wide problem, it better not be a Giants problem going forward. I mean, I'll I'll say this. Um, I don't know that Dalvin Tomlinson is the reason that there's no pass rush on this team right now. I'm not sure that that's it. I don't know if that's somewhat scheme or, or, or what's happening there why we seem to have less of a pass rush this year than last year. Um, but what I will say is everything that we've seen of the starters thus far this year has not shown me a particularly good run defense. Um, and some of that is tackling, and I will attribute that to Dalvin Tomlinson because what we've seen so far of this combo of Austin Johnson and Danny Shelton being the two-person substitute for Dalvin Tomlinson isn't working on the run game side of it. I think Austin Johnson's been just as adequate pushing the pocket in the past game, but you know the run game side of it is clearly an issue. Yeah. And I think it'll be more of an issue as the season goes along, too. I mean, we're going to be playing Dallas, and you know that you better have a, you better have a pretty strong run defense against you know that team. Uh, oh yeah, Ezekiel Elliott will will walk through arm tackles. Yeah, and you got to kind of build your team based around the teams you play the most. I mean, you have to kind of have an eye on your on your division for those seven games out of out of uh, seventeen you play now. So that's actually interesting. I wonder. I wouldn't be surprised maybe if um, you know not to get too ahead of you know episodes here, but if if we start seeing an activation of Raymond Johnson in a little bit more, you know. To defend against the run, because uh, we've seen him work in a defensive tackle a little bit too. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, other than uh, Dalvin Thomason not being on the team, I mean, what is the biggest difference you're seeing in this defense year over year? I mean, besides like tackling, it's just—is it? Are we still scheming and zoning just like you know, f- further off the ball and more cushion than last year? Is it? 
Is it just the play of the secondary, these guys you brought in, is it takes more time for them to develop playing together, and so we're, we're playing more soft to, you know, well, I think I think the that? secondary has been mostly okay with tackling. I mean, there's going to be, there's been missed tackles here and there, but they're mostly, so it's a little bit more dangerous now. They're in man coverage more. So that means basically when you miss a tackle, it's going to be some distance usually before there's another defender in the area as opposed to zone, you know, once the ball is kind of in the air, everybody in the surrounding zone can kind of, you know, hawk around the ball or whatever um, and, and swarm it. Uh, you know, that may be part of it. Uh, but I don't think the secondary is too much of the problem personally. I mean, I think that especially in this game, you're probably looking at some impact of not having Blake Martinez as well um, for a lot of the missed tackling. Um, I and I think, think also we're seeing less and less Jabril Peppers. Less and less Jabril Peppers means less of his presence down by the line of scrimmage where he is a very good tackler, you know, typically speaking. So I think it, it is some scheme and some personnel. Any reason why I think we're seeing that? I, um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I think they like... Xavier McKinney's uh, potential for single high stuff. I think it, they think that it opens up the playbook a little bit and it opens up to more plays that maybe they don't picture Peppers being or having a useful role in. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with Peppers himself, um, if that makes sense. I mean, there is some speculation, you know, in the offseason and even now that he may be on the trade block at some point. Yeah, but I don't know why you would downgrade his um, yeah. play time. For that. I think you'd I, mean, I think you want to do the opposite. You'd want, you'd to, want to like his... display him, right? Yeah, so that's kind of like a strange. You know, well, especially about... in what you'd consider to be the cupcake games that were the first three weeks of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it's just it's just that. <laughs> um. I uh, I do also want to mention the red zone play calling is still a fucking problem. Um, you know, they were a lot more aggressive uh, between the 20s, I would say. Uh, you know, throwing the ball downfield was certainly big. But it, it, it two of the touchdowns were, were bombs here, you know. Um, and that last touchdown on the ground there was somewhat kind of an exhaustion of a defense it looked like. Um, you know, that was a defense that had been on the field for some really time. Really good time possession, yeah. Yeah, so, because, I mean, they, they, that, they pretty much, the Giants wore them down at the end of the fourth quarter. There was very limited time, I believe, after they kicked the field goal uh, and then immediately got the ball back, and the defense is right back out on the field, and That's they were right. gassing them again with these big plays. So by the, the time that final running play happened there, right at the goal line, I guess they were at like the 10 or something like that, I mean, they were just kind of gassed. You could see, like, he was just weaving through traffic cones, it looked like. What's the overtime rule? You get one timeout in overtime? Or two? I thought it was two, but uh, that may be old knowledge. I don't remember. That might be, might have been a time you want to call a timeout and just give your defense a blow. Oh, if you're them? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, especially since if you, if you can hold them to a field goal, you at least get the ball back. So, I mean, it's yeah, another, I also think it's Sean Payton... Reason why, it's another reason why just those overtime rules are so stupid. You know, it's so completely unfair to the team that doesn't win the coin toss because, you know, the, the exhaustion and being on the field and playing those extra minutes on a defense, you know, impacts them a lot more than it does in offense. And for, 
not having both teams having to experience that if you can stop somebody it's it's just ridiculous and yeah it, it's that and the you know i would i would have that rule in co- the college rule in the nfl for that and i'd have the nfl rule for uh pass interference in college those are the two things my two biggest pet peeves for rules that i think should change and they're in the wrong they need to be in both and that, that those are the two well, the college pass interference rule is criminal. Yeah, it it, it encourages active tackling. Sure. Uh, for, <laughs> as as defense, um, but but seriously, the the red zone play calling is is certainly something that has not been. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I don't agree with the play calls, but also sometimes they're there and the execution isn't happening. Also, so I'm not gonna sit here and say it's all Jason Garrett's fault when I have video evidence of guys open sometimes where it would have worked. Um, some of it is execution on the players. It's not being worked on enough. Whatever I, they're doing now is not enough. It, it can't I think be. The problem, I think the problem is I think they're wasting plays in the red zone. Oh, they certainly are. And, and mean, that end-around shit is so bad. It's so well, bad. I mean, first down is so predictable in the red zone. Mm-hmm. It's that same you know, thing to Barkley, like that little you know, inside handoff where it's like he's not getting anything. And it, it's... It's run over and over and over again, and so it's about it's about execution in the end zone. But it's like you want the most chances to be successful. It's like they're almost limiting themselves to like you know if it's first and goal, well we're, we're going to get it done on second down or third down. It's not three plays to do it anymore. Um, so I, I just think a lot of it's just the lack of creativity in it, and, and on first down is really bogging down these red zone um, opportunities. I'm trying to remember the last time that end around produced anything, and I think the only times it's ever really worked was one time in like week one or two or three, whenever we played Dallas last year, Evan Ingram did it, and it what it didn't really work. It was actually Ingram that made it happen, and then week seventeen or whatever last year when we played Dallas again, Sterling Shepard scored from like thirty yards out, but again. Is Dallas's defense really the kind of thing where you take a play that worked and say that it's a success? I mean, can we Dallas just – this, this play doesn't last. have a good win percentage for me. I think I'm ready to just take it out. Or if you're going to just keep it, run a fake off of it and never run the actual play again. Because mm-hmm. it's so – I mean, it's not Use that it, it doesn't like work. It's that it so badly doesn't work. Use it off an option or something. Use it, I mean, you can use it for a nice uh... – creating a diversion or something for sure mm. the threat of it but you're right if what threat is there real what are you really preparing for when it never works <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's kind of that same philosophy where when we do that fake snap on fourth down bullshit we never we never really i mean it just it's yeah. so obvious the that's offensive a fake. line isn't good enough and the the downfield blocking isn't good enough from this team for ever to be successful no matter whether it's you know sterling shepherd or Evan Ingram, or if Kadarius Tony ever runs it, a lot of moving parts have to work, and this team isn't good enough to have those moving parts work. Um, I made a video that I put on Twitter about red zone play calling, uh, and it was the first quarter drive that ended up in the missed field goal by Graham Gano. Um, I just they 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 don't prioritize downs correctly. Um, it's not that the plays themselves are bad. It's that I don't like the the situation in which they're called. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, to to be conservative on second and short 
seems silly to me if you're going to give up if you don't get first down on third down. Like, if you're not going to go for it on fourth down, you need to treat second down as your aggressive down when it's second and short because you'll still have third short if it goes tits up. So instead of running the outside run to Barkley that gains two, you can't then be aggressive on third and one because you're pretty much going all or nothing with a field goal. And it truly turned out to be nothing in that scenario because Graham Gano finally missed and ends his streak. Um, you know, he's kind of taken some some kicks for granted and not for nothing, as much as I want to knock Graham Gano, uh, the kick that he had that sent it to overtime was no chip shot. That was 48 yards. And it was right down Main Street with plenty of legs. So he got himself off the shit list this week. But just well, barely. He'll never get off my shit list. <laughs> I was furious when he missed that. So. Oh, so was I. Yeah, yeah. It was just um, one of those. I start. I think I even threw a losers lose tweet up when that happened too. Like, this is gonna lead to a loss. Here it comes. Oh yeah, and there was a, there was a period where where we weren't being aggressive enough on offense, and you know the Saints perfectly executed the deferring the kickoff thing. You know there was a big stretch of there where the Saints are putting up consecutive points and we're falling behind. It was twenty one ten at the beginning of the fourth quarter, man. Yeah. Uh, you know I wasn't feeling that great. Um, What's the last? Know, What's the last big comeback this team has had? Big comeback. Uh, you know, they have a much longer track record of getting off to a fast start and blowing it. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess Seattle was kind of a comeback. They were losing at halftime. Yeah. I don't remember it being like more than... It was, it was really, really low. I, it was like there was the safety in there or something. I want to say it was like 9 to... I three I, or something, something in the muck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The only other note that I have is that uh, I'm awarding Kyle Rudolph an honorable mention for nothing other than recovering Saquon Barkley's wild fumble in overtime. That oh almost that almost literally sent me to the floor in tears. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, where would we? What would we be talking about right now if that doesn't happen? Losers lose. I mean, I don't even All know. All talking about it's like this team just doesn't know how to win. I don't even know if I have the courage to record an episode if Barkley fumbled on that play and it was a return for a touchdown. I really, I don't know. Am I strong some, enough? <laughs> someone who had to go through a block field goal return for a touchdown on Saturday night, nothing would have surprised me yesterday. So, yeah, I'm glad we were spared that because that you're right. That probably would have been the end of me as well. <laughs> this, this episode would have just been a blank screen of just for you know 45 minutes of just two backdrops. Yeah, and sobbing. Sobbing. Um, uh, that's pretty much all I've got for this episode. Uh, any closing notes from you, cranky fan? No, I just was uh, you know again. It, it, I'd much rather be talking about game to game, what was good, what was bad, than doing the big picture story every single week. And yeah. when you start losing. You know, especially in the beginning of the season, you know, if you have a two, three game, four game losing streak in week nine, 10, 11, you can kind of bury it a little bit. But when it's beginning of the year and you have overreaction Monday and overreaction September and, you know, everything is, you know, who are we counting out for the playoffs now and all this stuff, it just gets a little out of control. And uh, I, I said my piece last week where I feel the state of this program is. One game is not going to change that for me overall, but, you know, the facts are, and these are the facts. 
You can take them for every way you want. If this team beats Dallas, they're a game at it first. In a division where Washington, I believe, is 2-2 two and two right now. Philly is starting to circle the drain like we thought they would. And the goal is to win a division to get into the playoffs. And, you know, the talent on this team, we said it last week in the deepest, darkest moments of our soliloquies. This talent is better than what it's being coached to be. And if we had the coaching kind of rise up to what this talent level is and what you saw last week, there's no reason this team can't compete with a Dallas I'm not sold on Dallas as the greatest thing since sliced bread. I still think their defense is a little shaky. Who knows? It's a team that Dak might get hurt for some reason and miss a game or two later in the year. This league is so wonky. Look look at all your survivor pools. Everybody's getting knocked out. for. The line forms to the left, the people who picked Tennessee thought they'd, they'd crush the Jets this week. A lot of people thought the Saints would crush the Giants this week. So don't put it in you know, magic marker pen that we're losing this week. Because if we don't, we're right back in it. It's hard as it might seem after uh, the Atlanta debacle. But it's easier said than done on a, on a Monday night as opposed to Sunday afternoon. They say, yeah, I it, do it. It would, be, it would be nice to be in it for the rest of this podcast. Um, which you can find on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube now as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. You may want to start following me at the Cranky Fan this week because besides this being Cowboys hate week, some of you people are baseball fans and some of you are Yankee fans. And before you even have to deal with me, your two-time defending American League East champion Tampa Bay Rays, you got to do a Boston tomorrow night. Well, you were listening to this on a Tuesday on tonight. So get past Fenway, then we'll talk at the end of the week. I will be down in St. Pete starting Wednesday night for game one and two, then in uh, Gainesville Saturday for the, the Florida game, and somewhere to watch the Giants, Cowboys on one screen, Rays, whoever on this screen at some bar in the St. Pete area. Great week. So why am I saying this? Just follow me at twitter at the cranky fan and i want to hear from all of you about all these things going on big week for all of us all right everyone we will see you on friday morning we'll have our preview episode for dallas hate week see you then go giants, go giants.